and he's going to go make the food. So you can give him a hand. Uh, before I start the sermon, uh, we're going to do something that is a joy for us to do, and that's finding my sermon. No, it's not. But, um, work, 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 work. Yes. Okay. All right. So you uh, just. Uh, what, what was his name, the boy's name? What's the boy's name? The, the guy's name, okay. The, the guy that wanted to come to church to see uh, Joseph, um, that's, a big, that's a big deal. Uh, you, you, Mitrick, no, that's one of them. One of them. What? I can't remember his name, sorry. I'll ask him afterwards. Um, that's a big deal about what we are as a fellowship too. Like we can choose to use our, our lives for good or we can choose to use our lives for evil. We'll see that in today's text also. But today there's somebody here who's leaving. And we don't know if she's coming back. So one of the things I've really asked you to do and when you can become a part and have been here is that don't sneak out the back door. Uh, tell us when you leave. Uh, if you are here, a lot of people leave. Uh, um, and so we want to send the people out with prayer. So um, please, if you know that you're leaving at some point, don't just run away. Tell us the day. Let us uh, thank you and let's thank God for you. Uh, and let us send you out with a blessing. So we'll do that now. So Tresina, if you will come up and we'll pray for you. <coughs> when are you leaving? Uh, Saturday. Saturday, all right. Do you want to say something about how have, how has your stay been, or do you want to say anything? You don't have to. It's just you want to say something. Oh yeah, yeah, I can. Um, you can also get a you can also get a microphone. Also, anything we can pray for. Hi, uh, my name is Tracina, and um, I've been coming to the church for a few months, but I've been traveling a lot for work, so. I'm not a regular, but I do uh, come for the Wednesday uh, Bible study, and um, I got to know Kylene and Christian and their wonderful family, and um, they're one of the fewest families I know in Olbo because I'm new to Olbo, and I am so grateful to God that I got to know them, and I, I thank you all so much for your hospitality, and I, I do believe that God showed them to me, and um, and I'm so grateful I got to know this church, and uh, and God bless you. That's all. Thank you, thank you. And so uh, Tracina's name, oh, she's like, oh, is that a common Indian name? No, her mom made it up. So uh, that's one of the things about her that's funny. She also got kicked out of the country. She got deported this uh, semester also. So uh, you can ask her about other things after, <laughs> after, um, after this time. Uh, but will you stand up and let's pray and bless uh, Tristina as she goes out. Um, Lord God, Heavenly Father, creator of everything. Um, Jesus, sustainer of all things, and our Holy Spirit, the one who remember, helps us remember what you've taught Jesus. We pray in your name. And we thank you and praise you for Tristina and for us getting to know her. 
praise the Lord that you've made it possible uh, for us to get to know people from around the world. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you that we could get to know her. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for filling our hearts uh, with love uh, for her and for, yeah, just to get to know who she is. Now, Lord, we, uh, as it's always a little bit more difficult <laughs> to give away, we now send her out, Lord. We thank you for the blessing she's been here for us. We want to bless her as she goes out. Um, Lord, will you fill her with your Holy Spirit, your joy and your kindness and goodness. And I pray you continue to reveal yourself daily to her more and more as she's walking. And I pray that you lead her and guide her as she's looking for next steps in her life. Um, I pray you bless her and her family. Um, and I pray that you, she, as she has just gotten to know a little more, more about you are, Lord, I pray you continue to do that in her and through her. So, Lord, we thank you for all the joys and the trials she had here in Auburn and around the world as she was traveling with work. Lord, thank you that you were guiding and leading her. And, Lord, we ask that you continue to do that. I pray you will bless her and let you just shine, light shine upon her and give you her peace and fill her with your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As an introduction, uh, and for the adults, you can go to uh, you can go to Matthew twenty six, and just uh, just for the introduction, um, you can just think about what is the most valuable thing you have. What's the most valuable thing you have? Um, oh, but also the children in here they can understand. Okay. So can I have any comments from uh, the boys? It's only boys left in here. What's the most valuable thing you have? Boys, from one side or the other side. You can just yell it. This is the only time you can yell. You can yell, yell out. What's the most valuable thing you have? Oh, that's good. Your brother, yeah. And you? Family, yeah. I unschool. Sorry, <laughs> there's only boys and my daughter. Okay, but uh, what's the most uh, valuable thing you have? Oh, squishmallow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get that. Oh, okay. What about the adults? What's the most valuable thing you have? Anybody want to share? My kids. Family, yeah. Family, yeah. Nobody said uh, 30 pieces of silver yet. Or my, or my iPad, or my TV. Hmm. Well, you must be church-going people then. No, um, the... Today, the undertitle is just betrayed, and uh, we're going to see we're going to see who values what. Uh, somebody brings and 
extraordinary expensive gift to Jesus probably cost a whole year's wages so if you have a good wage in Denmark it will be between 250,000 and 300,000 kroner I know it's not comparable but it's a huge gift another person looks at Jesus and say what can I get from him I betray him what can I have so there's a very very big contrast here we see somebody giving up the most precious thing she has and we see somebody looking at Jesus and saying what can I gain if I betray him so that's uh, setting up the text for us and then we'll go through and read Thank you. <laughs> so we'll read from 26 and we'll read 1 through 29. Uh, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he said to the disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming. And the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders and the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the high priest, in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. <clears throat> For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, whoever does this, whoever this gospel, <laughs> no, sorry, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in a memory of her. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas, Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he thought an opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you the, to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with you, my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them 
and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined the table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who is, has dipped his hand in this dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him, for that man, if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, He said, I, Rabbi. And he said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took it, the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen. So Jesus has just been teaching for the last, I think, two weeks. We've gone through what Jesus talked about, the end times and what's going to happen in the end and, and all those things. And um, and now we come to this place where Matthew is kind of rounding up. Jesus was talking about we're going to go into the, uh, what some people call the passion of the Christ, passion of Jesus. Passion actually means suffering and uh, but we use this kind of differently. We're passionate about something, but it actually means suffering. So there's going to be this time of suffering of Jesus. Uh, we're going to see this evening he spends with the disciples called the Last Supper. Um, and Jesus lays it out in the way where he's saying, hey guys, I, this is now the third time I've told you I'm going to die. And the second time he says by what means that he'll be crucified. And also again, I'll be betrayed into the hands. Um, I'll be delivered up and be crucified. Interesting part is that Matthew, he puts it right next to you. He puts like, it's like we see two scenes like Jesus is talking to his disciples and then at the same time, they're meeting in the, in the house of the high priest in the courtyard there and they are plotting how do we get him killed without without causing this uh, ruckus and all this riot would happen. If we look to George, uh, the George Jewish historian, Josephus, he would say that would happen a lot of times at this time. Jerusalem is full of people. There's these two festivals that are, are overlying, the Passover and the week of unleavened bread. People estimate there could be up to two million people in in. Um, in uh, Jerusalem at this time out from the sacrifices that were made. So it would be so, so many people and, and if we don't, uh, just to bring you up to speed, um, the Jews are at this point possessed by the Romans and so the Romans are governing everything. So this is what can be, it could be a very tense environment and uh, a funny 
kind of a funny story, at least I think was, <laughs> I don't know if he had been drinking too much, but the, a, a Roman soldier one time pulled his pants down and mooned, mooned the Jews that was going to worship and then caused the whole riot and many people died. So it's a very, it's a tense atmosphere. And one thing the leaders don't want, the, even the Jewish leaders, they don't want to riot, especially the people that are on the side of the Romans because then the Romans might come take away more of their power and take it back. So, so they really want to get rid of Jesus, and we've seen that early on, that they really want to get rid of him. They just, they just don't have the courage to take him away publicly. So they're plotting, how can we get our hands on him? But we don't really want to do it publicly because some of the people do believe that he's a prophet. So we don't want to cause a stir or a riot. So these two things are kind of happening at the same time. And then we cut to another scene where Jesus is in, in Simon the leper's house. Now, as many people, comment, many commenters are saying that Jesus probably have healed this man because if he's a leper, which means all forms of skin disease, he would be unclean and they couldn't really be in his house because then they will be unclean. So he has probably been, been healed of that. If you really like uh, stuff about skin diseases, you can leave, read and other, other bacteria and different things and how they dealt with them. You can read Leviticus. I've just come out of that book. Very, very interesting to see the wisdom of God. Some people would think it's just strange, but I think it's very interesting to see the wisdom of God in even bacteria and other things. But back to that. So he's in Bethany, and we see him going in and out of Jerusalem going out to Bethany, going out to the Mount of Olives, and so now he's in Simon's house. Matthew doesn't name the lady. It's actually interesting. He names the culprits, but he doesn't name the lady. You can read the other Gospels and figure out what her name is. So I'm not going to tell you. But, um, but this is an anonymous woman which name you can find, she comes with the, probably with the most expensive thing she has. And she pours it on Jesus. And that's, what, that's like what I was asking you in the beginning. <laughs> now, it's not really going to work with the things that you said. I'm going to pour out my family on your head and stuff like that. So it's not really going to work. I should have had a better question. Like, what's the most important? Okay, but, and that's for another illustration. Um... But she just takes something that's very valuable and probably the most valuable thing she has and she gives it to Jesus. Not only does she give it to Jesus, it's not like, hey, here's a present you can have. No, she busts open the bottle and puts it on his head. I don't know what Simon the leper's house smelled like but as the moment she does this, actually a spice from India, a wood commentator says, would come and fill the house and smell good. The same spice was also used, actually, as Jesus says, for preparal, for burial. But what she has was probably more of a perfume type. Now has she... Has she seen something about Jesus? 
where it's worth giving the most expensive thing she has to him and even pouring it out in a gesture that is made mockery of, of the disciples. The disciples are like, why this waste? It's interesting how, this is just a side note, it's interesting how it's easy to see how other people waste money and how I should spend other people's money instead of actually using the money the right way. Because this is, this is not the disciples, this is not the disciples' perfume. They don't have any, they don't have any control over this. This is her gift that she brings to Jesus. Then how can she, how can they mock her for that? It's not theirs. I just think that's interesting to ponder about when we, when maybe hypothetically you think somebody should use the money differently. <laughs> to think about, well, it's actually not mine. How am I doing, what am I doing with what's mine? But we do see the hard contrast of like, she comes and gives the most important thing she has. The disciples start complaining about it's wasteful. Like, what, what will you do if you're Jesus? And, like, and, the, and it's, a, it's such a religious answer, you know. It's a, it, they're framing it in religiosity about saying, like, oh, but they, she should have given it to the poor. Hmm. But it's not yours. This is, this is, I think it's really a beautiful passage because we see how Jesus, we see how Jesus swoops in and restores this woman. She, she comes and gives the most important, most valuable things she has and pours it on his head. Then the religious people start complaining. And Jesus says, like, what are you, why are you complaining? Leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing. Why do they begrudge her generosity towards Jesus? And then saying it's because they care about the poor. Jesus then says, you always have the poor with me. He's quoting Leviticus. No. Uh, he's quoting Old Testament. I have to find the Deuteronomy. And, and so he's saying, in a sense, just saying, poverty is always going to reinvent itself. So when people say, we got to make poverty history. Well, not according to Jesus. But um, so what does that mean? We don't care about the poor. No, that's not the point. Because some people would say that. I had a friend, Stephen, actually, <laughs> who talked at Bible study. And then people talk about, like, you just only give it to the church, you don't give it to the poor. No, that is not what this means. This is a specific instance where somebody comes with a lavish gift on Jesus. It's hers. God has given it for her to steward. She wants to use it for Jesus. 
doesn't mean we don't take care of the poor. Because the law says you should. But you can always, you can also bring a lavish gift to Jesus. Jesus then further says, she has made my body ready for burial. This is the second time in a short span, Jesus talks twice about his death. And still, most of them probably don't understand what's going to happen the next hours. And then in a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing, you can look in 13. And this is how much he elevates the woman. The religious people with all the how she should have done things. Disciples, <laughs> it's funny in the Bible because we hear nothing about bad things this lady has done. We were here about how they all failed Jesus next week. All the people who claim we're, we're going to be with you to the end, we will not fail you. They'll all fail Jesus. Jesus does the opposite to this woman and says in, tw in 13, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, the gospel is going to go to the whole world, what she has done will be told in a memory of her. Jesus honors her, restores her, shields her from the critics and says, no, not even, not just today, but wherever the story of my life, death and resurrection and coming back will be talked about, this story will also be told in her memory. That's pretty good. That's not bad. So we can clearly see who Jesus says has done the right thing. But it also prompts in a response, maybe a direct or indirect response in 14 when, Jesus, when Judas, <coughs> one of the 12, he goes to the chief priests. And I was just thinking, I was just making sure um, that if you read this for the first time or you don't know the story of Jesus, then this chapter can be shocking. But if we remember back to, to chapter 10, we just, I can just flip there fast and I can just read a little passage for you um, because it's going to maybe boggle your mind a little bit. So it's chapter 10, verse 1 through 6, 4. So Jesus is sending out his disciples. And he called to him, to him the t his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles, the 12 apostles are these, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. It's funny he names his own occupation. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot. Who betrayed him? So the reader would know from chapter 10 what's going to happen to Judas. Iscariot. 
But if you don't know the story and you're dropped in here, and also Jesus has picked these 12 himself, then why, why would one of them be one that's going to betray him? So we've seen the disciples a little bit curious about that. Jesus is not worth that much. <laughs> He's not worth the most, most important thing. And then we go to and see that Judas now, whatever is going on with Judas, you know, like, we just read, he's experienced the same things. He has been part of healing people. He has part of being casting out evil spirits. But something about Jesus is not what he thinks it should be. We can find it hard to see, okay, what is it? Was was Judas looking for the conquering king, as most people were? And, and Jesus wasn't doing that. And he's saying, well, I don't know if he's going to get killed or something. At least I'm going to get paid. So he goes to the chief priest and asks what he can get. And they pay him a sum of uh, 30 pieces of silver. If you study that number, you'll find that it's what you have to pay of restitution for a slave or for something something if your animal does something bad. It's not a, a low price. It's not like extremely high price either. So one of his own disciples has now betrayed him and will betray him. Somebody comes and gives Jesus everything she has because she knows he's worth that much. Another person comes and is disappointed in Jesus and says, what can I get if I betray him? It's a very big contrast to how we view and value Jesus. Now, then we're in the festival of unleavened bread. I have some slides that didn't, but it doesn't matter. I, we can. It's two different. It's two different. Um, so there's the Passover, and then there's the, the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread, and they're at the same time. Uh, but this is when this is happening. So the Passover, uh, maybe I should just explain what the Passover is. Okay, uh, yes, that one. It sets up the context well. So it's kind of a little bit important to know what the Passover is. So the Passover is the Jews remembering when they were uh, rescued out of Egypt. It remembers the last plague where the angel of death was going to pass through all of Egypt, killing all the firstborn, but would pass over where there would be blood of a lamb on the doorposts. So this is this festival that they are celebrating, that God passed over where there was the blood of the lamb. So they have... They're not very good at 
keeping this in the Old Testament. Like very few times we hear they do. But apparently it's been very good after they've been in exile. And now they're good at doing it. Um, so it's a huge festival at this time. So then the disciples come and ask Jesus, hey, um, uh, if you just flip back to 17, um, where do you want us to go prepare for the Passover meal? And I don't know <laughs> if Jesus is an extremely good plan or he just plays it by ear. Okay, just go into the certain man. This, this guy is also on names. Go into the certain man and say, my teacher. The teacher says, the only time Matthew, John says it a lot of times, my time is at hand. It's the only time we hear Matthew say that. But it's Jesus signaling. He said all the time, it's not my time. It's not my time. It's not my time. Now is my time. Close. And he says, I'll keep the Passover at your house. And so he must have found a great guy who just wanted to host him and his disciples. And so the disciples go there and, pa and they prepare for the Passover. So there's different things in the Passover meal or unlivered bread, bitter herbs and different things and the Passover lamb. So when all that's ready and they've sat at the table for a while, Jesus then burst out another statement that if this was a movie would maybe have caused everyone at the table to be pretty uh, upset or unsettling because he says, one of you will betray me. Doesn't cause the party to erupt in joy. <laughs> it rather becomes quite nervous around the table. There's two people around the table who knows who it is. It's the one who just betrayed Jesus, and it's Jesus. The rest of the disciples are confused, and they're not sure. They would even go to Jesus hoping and saying, it's not me, right? They say to him, Lord, Lord, is it I? I was reading the different things, and it's a hope that it's like, implying hoping that it's no. But see, we see it's a subtle difference. There's a subtle difference in how Jesus, you know, Judas responds. He responds in the end of the verse 25 and says, he doesn't use Lord either. He uses teacher. He says, is it I, Rabbi? He said, you have said so. So again, we see a difference in how they approach and talk about Jesus. Lord is curious, master, Lord, also the what will be used for, for God in some senses. So there's a sense of understanding of who Jesus is, or at least acknowledging who it is. That is not the same with rabbi, it means teacher. Is it now totally clear? No, probably not. But we, we and the readers know what's happening. So does Jesus, and so does Judas. We have this great um, passage of condemnation of like it would be better if this man 
was in the very moment. All right, so then like, okay, that, that meal's over. <laughs> Let's talk about sports. Let's talk about something else. Um, no. Jesus now takes two of the elements from the Passover and he gives them a different meaning and probably the meaning of what the Passover lamb really was in the beginning. So Jesus, take, he takes the bread, he blesses the bread, he breaks it, gives it to the disciples. If you're new in church and you know anything about this, this is why the early church were accused of being cannibals. Because people would read this and be like, what? They're eating this guy. Uh, it's symbolic, so they're not eating Jesus. This is what he's saying. This is this, he does say it's my body, but it's a symbolic thing. They don't eat Jesus' body. And then he takes the cup. And he said, drink of it, y'all. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is taking two elements of what was already in Passover and then giving them new significance, saying that the bread was his body that was going to be broken, and the blood, the wine, the blood, that was being be poured out for the sins of many. And he talks about it's the blood of the covenant. The covenant between God and his people. Then he ends with, I won't drink it until I'll be in the kingdom, in my father's kingdom with you. So this is also anticipatory. He talks about this is what it is, and this is what it will be future. Now, so what is really going on here? What is Jesus doing? He just said, like, one of you guys are going to betray me. Uh, and then he turns into this. And he's, he says that his, the symbol of his blood will be what can forgive the sins of many. In the few hours his blood will be shed for the sins of many. What the Jews were in the Passover celebrating, the, the liberation from slavery, Jesus is instituting to, mem to memorialize that he was going to help people to be set free from sin, not just sin of slavery, but sin, all sin. So that's what, that's what Jesus is doing, and he's giving them hope also. When Joseph talked earlier about eternal life. There will be a hope also to be restored in God's kingdom with Jesus for the disciples. So what about you? It was a great, great passage. Dramatic, dramatic passage. A twist of events. There's a betrayer from the inside of the group. There's a lady offering everything she has to Jesus. And there's now Jesus saying, I am going to die so people can have their sin forgiven. 
there's going to be a new day when you can be with me in my Father's kingdom. So what are the things that stick out to you as we go through this? Do you feel more like Judas? Or do you feel more like the lady? I'm willing to offer the most precious things I have for Jesus. Or I'm really in it for whatever Jesus can give me. And I'll sell out whatever I have to gain something. And with Judas, you can say it's not safe just to go to church. He walked with Jesus for three years. He did miracles. He still ended up not knowing who Jesus was and betrayed him. So I'm not saying it's not good to go to church, but you need to know the Lord. You need to know who Jesus is. Really know who Jesus is. Because what does his death mean? What does his resurrection mean? What does his ascension mean? And what does it mean that he's coming back? And do we really live that out? When the storms of this life comes, I mean, this weekend, everyone has, uh, this week, everyone has felt it. Sickness, annoying other things, losing jobs, losing all sorts of things, losing health abilities, frustration, injustice, all the things Jesus warned us about was going to be part of the future. Does Jesus and what he's done outshine all of those things so there's an immovable joy in us that we were going to give up everything we have to follow in? Because Jesus, as I said many times, Jesus never comes to give us our sins. No, he says it even in the community. He says, I've come to free you from those. Let them go. And give all of yourself to me. What is the most important thing you have? The most valuable thing you have? That's what God has given you. As you. You can give yourself to Jesus fully. Or you can choose to live for yourself. people would say like God don't understand me. he doesn't understand me no he does and we see that in Jesus Jesus is not like he's poured his life into 12 people one of them is going to betray him so he's going to die you have felt betrayed Jesus knows how you feel and we see that with all the things his disciples misunderstand him right here they don't want him anything good to happen to him <laughs> He's betrayed by a close friend. If you're a very religious person, I would just, I would just want to warn you that it's not your religious deeds or whatever you can give to God. But it's understanding who he is. And that you, like Kalim was saying, that you can actually understand that in Christ, God loves you first. And therefore you can respond with love to God and give yourself wholly to him.
So that's what question we have for us. Now I pray and uh, hope that a lot of you are like, thank you. I just needed to be reminded. I have that joy. I have great joy in Jesus. I, I can just see how much he's done in my life. I'm just so thankful. And you're right now just welling up in you in praise and joy. That's why you come to church, to be reminded of who Jesus is. And I pray that's in a lot of you. Whatever the else the Holy Spirit isn't doing in some of you, or in some of you, convicting you of things of like, well, I don't really, like, I don't really, I don't really like Jesus that much, <clears throat> or something, whatever's going on, just that there will be a great time for you to just consider and be like, okay, how valuable is Jesus? And if it's true what he says, I've made it, I'm going to make it possible. He has done it, but at this time it's future. I'm going to make it possible for you to have all your sins forgiven. I'll die for the things you've done wrong. And I can reconcile you to God or you fall, or who you have rebelled against. You could be adopted into his family. Not because of what you've done, but because of how the Father has loved me and you. You can receive it and you can reject it. I would say you should consider it. But it's got to be the Holy Spirit moves in you that you would want to live a life for Jesus in the love of the Father. So let's pray together. And Father, we thank you for this time that we can spend together this day and come together to be reminded of who you are. And just, um, Lord, thank you for the book of Matthew. Thank you for him noting it down. Thank you for Jesus for calling him out of a life of being a tax collector and coming to be your disciple. Um, Writing these things down so we can remember and like, Holy Spirit, thank you for providing your word for us so we can read them and be encouraged. Lord, I just pray as you're moving among us by your Holy Spirit, you remind us about who you are, Jesus. We see you as most glorious and great. You encourage our hearts and minds to like, yeah, this is, this is the most precious thing. We'll understand how you loved us first by your life, your death, and your resurrection, and your coming back. Lord, I pray you would teach that to us. I pray we rejoice in it. I pray for our fellowship. We will help each other to help each other when we're down. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Serve one another. Because of what you've done for us. We'll do with great joy. So we ask that you fill us with that great joy. I pray you will move among us. I pray this stuff we don't understand, I pray you reveal it to us. Help our friends come alongside and pray for us and encourage us. Lord, I ask that we will all be a people who just who willingly comes and gives everything we have to you, Jesus. Because we see how precious you are. Pray against the enemy and all his facts of wanting us to be a, betray you instead of worship you and honor who you are. 
but would you come and do that and renew that in us? I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. As we uh, just are gonna close in here, don't run away because either Kylie's still making food or it's done. Uh, we're gonna have some kind of pasta thing. Um, yeah, we're gonna have the benediction. Just before that, as I sometimes say, like, if you are moved by something, if you have ma ma many questions, that's not a bad thing. But just come and talk to me, Joseph, or somebody else. Uh, also, if you are wanting to have somebody pray with you, uh, please do that. Don't just go away. Uh, and just maybe take a few extra moments just to gather your thoughts before you run away or start talking to somebody. Um, just let let the Spirit of God move. Um, and listen, listen to that, you know. All right. So um, let's receive the benediction from Jude. <clears throat> now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be majesty, glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Amen. Amen.